Welcome to and almost starring the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And this week, you in danger, girl. It's Ghost. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Jo, how you doing today? Oh, ah, nuts! The pot I was working on just fell apart. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's uh, let's go carefully wash our hands and bodies off before before getting down. To show that on screen. Exactly. Make sure to make it seem so like, ooh, wow, spontaneous, yet somehow our hands, they are clean. Which is so funny because I, this is my first time seeing this movie and like, I, everyone knows that. Everyone knows that they're, they're making a pot together, it falls apart and they're all covered in clay and then they like have sex. But I didn't know, I, I was like, oh, you assume the whole point is that they're like, they're covered in I clay. I don't even care. And they're filthy. I'm going to spread and clay nope, on your nope. face, Swayze. No. And, and he's like, uh, don't you dare. Don't you dare spread clay on my beautiful face. Do you know face. how long it takes me to get this hair? To- Your hair is shorter than mine. <laughs> yeah, his hair definitely took a lot longer to maintain than hers did. Um, okay. <gasps> Ghost is a fantasy <laughs> romance thriller that came out on July 13th, 1990. It is the 30-year anniversary of yikes, Ghost. Yikes, yikes, yikes. <laughs> my mortality, I'm reminded of it. Now we're ghosts. Um, <laughs> and was directed by Jerry Zucker and written by Bruce Joel Rubin. Amy Jo, what's your experience with Ghost? I'd seen it one time. Well, yeah, I'm going to interrupt you because I'm going to tell you. Please do. I'd seen it one time, high school, college, sometime around then, mm-hmm. and not since. So mm-hmm. I remembered major plot points and major, like, chuckles and yuckles. And, uh, <laughs> chuckles and yuckles. didn't remember a lot of the other intricacies of, like, now, mm-hmm. what's this about? What's right. this carpet in the oh, office? That carpeted, we, wall-to-wall we carpeting shrink. in this office. When, when it goes into the first scene in the office, I just went... That carpet! It's like turquoise. Like, ah! Look, it's a great carpeting. color, but that should be a hardwood floor. <laughs> yes. Yes, it should. Yeah. Sorry, I just imagined a turquoise hardwood floor, and I was like, ew. Uh, well, maybe ew, better than David. carpet, I guess. Ew, David. <laughs> um, so I've never seen this movie. I mainly knew this film because I did used to watch Friends as a kid. And there was one episode where Monica wanted to get her hair cut like Demi Moore, and she Phoebe didn't is want like. The Rachel. No, no, she no. wanted the Molly. That would have been very meta if if Monica was like, I want the Rachel uh, in her own show. And by show. the Rachel, I mean my best friend who no one else knows, this chick. Bring her into the salon with me. Exactly. No. Uh, and I, I think Phoebe cuts her hair. And it's like, at the end, it's like, a, it looks like a mop, like a black mop. And she's like, what did you do? And she's like, what do you mean? This is this looks just like him. And she's, and, but she's like, I wanted Demi Moore. And the misunderstanding is that Phoebe thought she meant Dudley Moore. <laughs> <laughs> so that's mainly what I knew about this film. The is one that... <laughs> with Arthur. That's the title of the app. Although I think I would have liked Ghost better if uh, Dudley Moore played Molly Jensen. Um, but her hair, I've got to say. Incredible. Was great. I mean, it's a great look. The super andro. Boy, she's in just t-shirts and giant pants she's and overalls. She's giving you artsy realness. I will yeah. say I had a moment where I was like, 
how did this artsy sculptress mm-hmm. end up with this Wall Street banker bro? And it happens. But it, like it a happens. lot of times when that happens is because the gal goes a seeking it and she doesn't seem the kind who went seeking it. I'm like, where I mean, they, they, they could meet? be, do they, do they, I don't think they say, do they say they could be college sweethearts? No, they no. did not <laughs> say. What college did she go to where she wasn't like, <laughs> like ankle deep in Okay, high deep, school. Like high, they're deep. high school sweethearts. No, I, okay. Uh, <laughs> You know what? He was, because he's like a big, rich finance bro, so he was commissioning her to make a pot for his apartment. (laughs) He makes, like, sculptures five feet tall. He's like, what I want? Hey, hey, hey. In that Unchained Melody scene, she's making a pot, and the pot falls apart. What do you mean? Because that's what you can do. No, no. But she, like, pulls the thing She's like, I just made it. Yes, And Tony Goldwyn's like, it's beautiful. I love it. I'm like, what's that symbolize? But in that scene of Unchained Melody, there's all these pots around. She makes, she definitely makes pots. She's a ceramicist (laughs) for sure. Also, I will say, as someone who- The money is in pots. The the, the giant, massive angel statue that they have to, like, forklift into their apartment is just for her. she made that. That might be for inspo. No, no, no. There's no reason that you would have that in your apartment. That thing was huge. Yeah, well, they live in a loft the size of the Lower East Side itself. I will say, this is one of the few times, because normally in movies, all these characters, speaking of friends, have impossible apartments with their salaries. But Swayze is a finance bro. So, you know, I'm like, you know what? He, yeah. he probably what could did afford I this I took place. a lot of notes. That was big. I said, this apartment, apartment in all caps, followed by an exclamation point. <laughs> How much is he making to afford, uh, to afford, a fjord? to afford this huge reno? Or is she famous? That's their vacation home is uh, uh, on the fjords of Norway. That's how rich he is. On the fjords of the fjords. Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a real stupid like, yeah, hey, I can afford it. I'm sorry, listeners, for that. I'm not. Ghost was, depending on how you want to judge it, either the highest grossing film of 1990 or second highest grossing film. Because... As we clock, you're going to say, or the lowest. I was like, or how is that possible? Or the lowest magic. Um, no, no, no. At, at ringing in uh, 1991, it was the highest grossing film. Eventually, it would be overtook by Home Alone. Wow. Duh. So, sure. But depending on how you judge, it, it is the highest grossing film of 1990. Uh, which Because it was it was like three months into 1991 before Home Alone, then finally overpassed it. Uh, mm-hmm. so, and if you're judging, you're like, well, I made most of its money in 1991, then... Uh, I, I'm not going to argue with you because that's a stupid thing to argue about. I'm Random rolling my eyes. Made up guy. I'm making up. Um, now, spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen Ghost. Ghost. Or haven't seen Ghost in a while, here is a brief-ish synopsis. Sam Wheat, a banker, and his girlfriend Molly Jensen, a potter, making pots, according to Wikipedia. Renovate She's and a move. sculptor. Not according to the wiki. Is a not according to the wiki. Look, a brief, brief <sighs> tangent. I there. Yes. Uh, look, I'm not like super into ASMR, but I like really tactile stuff. I find it very soothing. You're, you're naughty, me, Joe. Listen, Jeff. Listen, at home. I don't have any matches to light right now, but if I did, <laughs> I would. The point is, I'm just gonna, my version. I don't know why ASMR. I was just like, I'm just gonna run this comb over this watermelon. That's a th- <laughs> <laughs> Too late. You, you already said it's a thing for a ASMR. Thing. Listen, listen. <laughs> I know combs are listen, real. Listen, look. I, I will say I was first introduced to ASMR because I needed to learn an Icelandic accent for a client, mm-hmm. and a lot of people really like uh, European accents. Is speaking into English. It's very soothing. It's softer. You know. Anyway, um, fjords, but... fjords, f- fjords. <laughs> um, 
But my kind of version of that you is the like kind of David. like tactile. <laughs> <You> David. <laughs> my version of that is like slime videos. <laughs> no, where they're like manipulating slime. ASMR like, slime That's videos. Very yeah. satisfying. Sure, sure, sure. And where they're like cutting sand and you're mm. like, that's so pretty. I want to also cut sand, but mm-hmm. I don't want to spend the money. Right. Or order it to my <laughs> abode. Anyway, um, there is a, one of the the reason I discovered this is I was in a tech process for a show out of town, and so had a lot of time on my hands and was up till late hours. <laughs> and I discovered this ceramicist on YouTube. Uh, if you look up Tortoise, it is a shop at Tortoise Tort- like the turtle. No, no, Tortoise like T O R T U S. What was I thinking? I don't know because you went with me to that shop when we were in Copenhagen, but it was closed. But I was like, I know oh, that there's okay. a shop. I'm sorry I, I didn't remember that. Sh- that I, I'm sorry I remember not going into that closed but shop. But I was like, Jeff, this is the the place where they do the videos that I like. But he'll do them sped up where he'll like show himself like on a on a wheel and mm-hmm. you'll just see. And yes, he's got like huge biceps and stuff. And I suppose that's why some people are into it. But for me, I truly 100% I'm like, look at that clay. Look at it. Ooh. <laughs> And it's very satisfying. But what he'll do at a lot of the ends of his workshops is he will like topple the thing. And you will see all the people who are watching like, no. But I was like, oh, this is a real tortoise moment when like he came in and screwed it up. But she might have been making a really good 3 a.m. She might have. But but that was actually uh, a mistake. The the pot wasn't supposed to fall apart, but it did. So they just went with it and just kept going. All right. You know what? I changed my mind. (laughs) That's movie magic. Which I love. I love when those like random accidents happen and actors go with it and then it stays in the movie and you're like, because it's real. Because it feels like an actual thing. Yeah. That's how the wheel spins. He does also make the funniest face when she's like, here, put your hands on the clay. And he makes a face. (laughs) Whoa. He does make a lot of, I I might say, borderline goofy faces. He really does. I Uh, have thoughts about that that will come into play later. Great. Great. And we'll get into it because I think a, a lot of his goofy faces are like actually coming from like real emotion but a lot oh, of people yeah. people's real emo- but i mean like not acting but a lot of people's real emotion for like the stuff that was coming up for him um we'll get into it because his like his like father had passed away a few, within like a few years ago or whatever mm-hmm. so so a lot of like the times like of him seeing his spoilers for ghost when he sees his dead body after he's a ghost or like for the end he was like thinking about his father and like a lot of that emotion was real and i knew that going in um, while doing my research for this episode, because uh, listen at home, I do all the research for these and episodes. I and Amy showed us nothing. She watches the film and then brings her wonderful, wonderful insight to this, these episodes. What I've got um, is a strong POV. <laughs> uh, yes. But so I knew. So watching, I was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm curious to see this, like, really, like, emotional. And I was like, oh, no, these are some goofy looking faces he's pulling. But, like, knowing, like, sometimes, like, grief is a uh, real, like, in, out of context, looks weird yes, looks strange opposed to like bizarre. movie ver- opposed to well we'll get into it but demi Moore of her version of where she's able to cry on command so most of her like emoting is yeah. just her like and now i'm gonna cry to my left eye and now i'm gonna cry to my right it's eye. a real anne hathaway singing i dreamed um, a dream i dreamed a dream mm-hmm. and batting her eyes so that the tears roll at the right moment people are like so amazed by that i was like it's called batting your <sighs> eye to the tempo it's true i will say i saw real random sidebar i saw uh the revival of company on broadway 
uh, with, with Raul Esparza. But the first time I saw it, Raul Esparza was out. And I saw his understudy, who I will not name because I hated his performance oh. so, 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 so much. Except the very end of Being Alive, which you don't know company. It's how this show ends. He's like 35. He's like, ah, I, need to, I need to settle down. 35. <laughs> I'm too old to play Bobby and company, even though Katrina Lank was just playing it. And she's and older she's, than me. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? And so he finishes Being Alive. And like he holds that note. Being alive. And as he finishes the note, he goes left eye, right eye, <gasps> tear, tear. And, and it was like incredible to watch. And I hated everything else about his performance, except that moment was really cool. And it might just be whatever, you're holding the tension. And then like once you release it, yeah. the tears fall. But I was reminded of it with Demi Moore with her like, and I trickle a tear from my left eye. And then I'll trickle she a tear from my right. She was very effective with the crying and the whatever makeup they were doing on her eyes, you yeah. know? Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to the synopsis because oh, we're, we're pretty we, uh, early still talking on. about host? Right. So uh, Sam and his girlfriend Molly renovate and move into an apartment in Manhattan with the help of Sam's friend and co-worker Carl Bruner. And like 30 people who then do the actual work. Right, yeah. They just showed them, like... Well, we have a scene early on in Zoolander where he's working in the mines where they're just like bare chested. I mean, well, the two guys, not Demi Moore, but the two guys are bare chested and they're all swinging sledgehammers in unison. It was like a musical number. It was like a flash dance. It's like a musical number. And you thought that that Tony Goldwyn was Patrick Swayze because Tony Goldwyn was actually like more cut. I did for a sec because their faces are dis- are kind of uh, you can't My see they're, they're all like foggy and they got, and they're and they're wearing the, I, I forget if they were still wearing the masks in that they were, in the shot. very they were, first okay. shot they were wearing masks. I thought I was like oh because because I mainly know Swayze from Roadhouse and he's so cut uh, a specimen of a human being in that film. So I thought like oh wow look at Swayze and then I was like oh whoa Tony Goldwyn is like the even more cut than Swayze in this moment. Um, also man them. A, them wearing all these masks. And then soon after, we see Swayze and Carl. Uh, it's like Pulling a bit in showing, an elevator. Right. Sh- showing as if like, oh, look how silly and fr- friendly. What great friends they are. In an elevator where Carl's just coughing and they're pretending like, oh, did you get the results back? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's definitely we, infectious. We were both just like. Screaming. Oh, like, my ah, goodness. Ah, the COVID realness. The COVID is so realness. Uh, so one afternoon, Sam confides in Carl his discovery of unusually high balances in obscure bank accounts. That night, Sam and Molly are attacked by a mugger who shoots and kills Sam in a scuffle before stealing his wallet. Sam sees Molly crying over his body and discovers he's now a ghost. Invisible and unable to interact with the mortal world. He also saw some little sparkle fireflies and was like, no, man. Yeah, he had his chance and he was like, like, "Eh?" don't leave me. He's like, cool. Which was interesting because I assumed it would be like, oh, you can't leave until you settle your business on Earth. You'd think, but there's but he none of this language. He could have, but he was like, oh, I got to check out what's going on back here. Um, oh, man. Also, so they were they were out when he gets mugged okay. and killed. They were walking home. They were going to see a production of Macbeth. Um, and it was a, which I looked up and I don't think was a real thing, was Spring Street Repertory Shakespeare Festival. Yeah. Oh, festival? <laughs> yeah, I, somewhere in New York. There's um, like... Um, because Pearl, the Pearl Theater, mm. like there used to actually be a theater on Pearl Street. And like there's was like Spring okay. Street okay. repertory thing. And like yeah. I think there were like things that were like. I mean, there might have been. Listen at home. If you know, if you know about Spring Street repertory Shakespeare Festival, uh, email us at Look, anomalstarring at gmail.com. I moved to New so I'm York curious. in 2005. Mm-hmm. So a lot has changed since then and a lot have changed before then. So let sure, us know. Sure. But I was curious. Clearly, they were not at a Broadway theater. No, but... they were downtown. But, they were walking home to Tribeca. But oh, this God. film came out in 1990, and they were probably filming in 89. They could have been filming in 88. And they could have potentially 
1988, been on Broadway seeing the Broadway production of Macbeth starring Christopher Plummer and Glenda Jackson. I was wondering (laughs) if you were going to tell me it was Glenda Jackson. (laughs) Christopher Plummer and Glenda Jackson. What a duo. I mean, why not die after that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I ain't seeing something better than that. You know what? Molly, my Potter wife, I would love to just die now because I ain't seeing a better Broadway show than that. Listen, I saw three tall women Mm -hmm. and Glenda... Thank thank you for pronouncing the the H between the W and the O in women. You have to aspirate it. It is the law. Um, And so three tall women, Glenda Jackson, who is legitimately a taller... Well, she's not now. She's she shrunk some, but she was a taller person. As an actual tall person mm-hmm. who was like, oh, you mean three middling-sized women. I still wasn't oh, able to forgive it because Glenda Jackson was tremendous. We saw it like in early in previews, right? Yeah. I think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we sat on the previews. back row of that theater and we were like, I'm living my life. Oh, incredible. Oh, my gosh. She's so incredible. But when you said like, I was like, wait, wouldn't that have been Glenda Jackson's Lady M? Yeah, before Can she took 25 imagine? years off of that. Yeah. She went to go be a member of Parliament. She sure did. She went to go be like, yeah. um. I'm going to go do some things and then come back and act even better. <laughs> oh, she's so good. And Christopher Plummer. Mm, He's the best. We, we just rewatched Knives Out right. the other day and it's like he is still the best. Love that plum. Plummer. Love the plum. Love the plum. Also, once once he becomes a ghost, this happens a few times where they show like someone walking through him, oh and gosh. you suddenly cut to like this blood screensaver. <laughs> it looks like the Body Wars ride they used to have at Epcot. Did you ever go on that? It was no. like start i have written miss frizzle organs Ooh, that's a good one but do, do you not know what body wars was did you never go on that no well this do you ever do you remember star tours uh, well like you sit in your chair and it kind of like rocks back and forth as you're watching like a video of like you're going through a star wars thing Probably. blood wars was like that only the boring version for at least eight-year-old jeff going to disney world where it was like <laughs> uh-oh there's a splinter in this thumb so we're gonna shrink you down oh, and you're gonna no. go through this bloodstream and see these white blood cells attacking this infection and it was like it's science but also fun and i was like i'm seeing a lot of science i'm not feeling a lot of fun can we please go to the indiana jones stunt spectacular uh let's keep it moving uh molly is distraught in the days after sam's death and after going for a walk with carl the mugger enters the apartment in search of something when molly returns sam scares their cat into attacking the intruder who flees and i was hoping i was severely disappointed that that was the one and only time that he used the cat as a weapon. I was really hoping mo- a lot of this movie would include him using the cat to like scream, yell at the cat so the Me cat would ouch. attack the person uh, with him. I thought would have been a really cool. Alas. Uh, and I wonder if this means that the reason why cats don't like me is because ghosts are shouting at them whenever I try and pet I'm cats. I'm sure that's it, Jeff. <laughs> that must be the answer. I know. Sam follows the mugger to his Brooklyn apartment and learns that the man, Willie Lopez, was sent by an unknown party. After leaving Willie's residence, Sam happens upon the parlor of psychic Oda Mae Brown, a charlatan pretending to commune with spirits of the dead, who is shocked to discover she can hear Sam speaking. Sam persuades her to warn Molly that she's in danger and has Oda Mae relay information that only Sam could know. Still unsure, Molly later gives Willie's address to Carl, who volunteers to investigate, and she then goes to the police, who have no file for Willie, but they show her Oda Mae's lengthy file as a forger and con artist. How do they have no file for Willie? That seems... Well, I he mean, just has than... managed to not get arrested, you know? Other than, like, 
warring jurisdictions, which is a real thing. The fact that they were like, well, she was arrested in New Orleans. And this and that, I was like, you have all that information, NYPD. That is true. But I mean, if if you're not ever picked up, then you don't got a, you don't got a record, you know? Okay. Well, still be, you know, keeping your nose clean and then you're still working as a a hired goon, a hired uh, henchman. A boo. A boo. Meanwhile, Sam follows Carl and learns he and Willie are working together. (gasps) And I was confused because they cut to, because Carl says like, all right, I'm going to check out this Willie Lopez address. And they cut to Willie Lopez's, like, outside of his apartment as Sam follows Carl in. Yeah. Uh, and Carl, but Carl, we see Carl get out of his car. Carl drove there. H- how did Sam get there so fast? Did no, Sam? No, no, no. Sam snuck in the car with him. He did sneak in the car with him? That's oh, I missed that. That's one of the things that. that I enjoy about this is that ghosts have to, like, be like normal people. They mm-hmm. can't just be like, and now I would like to go up here, wherever to Paris. Okay, I'm I there. missed. I missed him sneaking in the car. No, I was no, hoping he it got meant in that the car he. With I, I was hoping it meant that he could run really fast, and we just never saw. He. I mean, they may not have shown it, but my understanding was he has to. That's why he's like, get on the train. The mm-hmm. train takes some places. He has oh. to like. That's why he has to take. From the Franklin stop, which is a one stop nowadays. Sure. It was a one nine, I'm guessing, back in the day. But, like, he had to get on a one, transfer to, well, not an M. The, an M is new. But transfer True. to something else, which would take him out to yeah. Bushwick. It is easier to transfer when you can just jump between subway trains mid-ride because you're a ghost and you can just go through the walls, which he does several times, which is pretty fun. I'm like, God, I wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah, I think I said when we were watching Oh, no, it, I'm still going uptown. I meant to go downtown. No. Hold on. One, one two, three. Whee! He got When he got shot. Shoved by Vincent, what's his name? Chevelli, I believe Vincent his name Chevelli was. Vincent Chevelli was like, oh my God. And he like shoves him out and he went through to the next yeah. car. I was like, oh, if only we were that easy. <laughs> Sometimes when you're like, oh no, there's someone who is threatening people's lives on this train. Or it smells like any number of uh, Get me out of this subway things. car I'm immediately. Like, oh, I'm looking like, to my left. I'm seeing a pile of feces. I'm looking to my right. And there is a gentleman wearing nothing below the waist. Oh, one of the last times I rode True the story. train. <laughs> one of the last times I rode the train, which was like not pre-COVID. It was mm. like mid-COVID, but pre-shutdown. Wow. Mm, yes. There, I look over. I was like listening to a podcast. And I'm like, just stay in your lane. Oh, no. And I see some guy looking at me. And I was like, what about it, guy? Oh, no. I'm like, looking up, and I'm like, oh this guy and then i like look over and i'm like mm, someone had vomited a few feet away from me and i was like oh he was trying to help me out and everyone basically fled the car and i was like oh he was trying to help me out and i was being like your normal new yorker and not a covid new yorker which is like we're all like we don't have time to hit on one another we just have time to be like don't get it don't get the vomit virus oh, uh, it turns out Carl has been laundering money for drug dealers and had Willie rob Sam to get his apartment key, which dun, Carl dun, 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 which Carl uses to obtain Sam's book of passwords so that Carl can transfer the money into a single account under the fictitious name Rita Miller. Before Carl can transfer the money for his clients, Sam has Odame pass herself off as Rita Miller, close the account, and forces her to donate the $4 million cashier's check to charity. Not just charity, but nuns. Nuns, which is very fitting, considering <laughs> she'd go on to do Sister Act. Uh, as so true. Whoopi Goldberg, of course, as Odame. Uh, as Carl desperately searches for the money, Molly inadvertently reveals she spotted Odame closing an account at the bank. Carl and Willie go to Odame's place, but Sam warns her and her sisters to take shelter. When Willie arrives, Sam spooks him, causing him to flee into the street where he is struck and killed by an oncoming car, and shadowy demons emerge from the darkness to drag <laughs> to drag when Donald Duck emerges from the darkness to drag Willie's ghost down to hell. I'm basically 
a Foley artist. You really so. are. But if you imagine, imagine like the look of Dementors with the sound of Donald Duck and you've got what these like weird truly, little spooky I ghosts truly, are. I there was at one point where I was like, that's an elephant. Like I can hear what they, because oh, yeah, the sound of, design is that. Uh, a interesting lot of that stuff you'll mix in animals and things and i get it but i was like they could have taken that elephant tooting down un-puh, just a touch just un-puh. a touch can you turn the elephant knob down just a bit <laughs> uh sam and Odame return to the apartment where they finally convince molly that they're telling the truth Odame allows sam to possess her body so he and molly can share a slow dance you know they don't really do that anymore i i don't think they maybe they do and they're just not movies i've seen where i feel like movies used to in like 90s 80s where you'd have like your one big song in the movie and then that song would also be your score it'd also be your theme so that would come back to play which i feel like you've got like your soundtrack you've got your score but never the twain shall meet more or less totally well i i will say this is a good time to bring up that the first note that i wrote Uh was Maurice Jarre, exclamation point, who I be- was I beg your pardon? Maurice Jarre, who was the composer, oh, who okay. did not write Unchained Melody, but wrote ah. the score, oh. which I have been like, you know, a, a fan since yeah. my youth because I love Dr. Zhivago and Lawrence of Arabia. And he, oh, he's course, the composer and he wrote all right, those right, right. very famous things. So like, ba, 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 ba. And then like, Oscar, uh, please. <laughs> you know, all the like stuff for Dr. Zhivago. We uh-huh. know it. You know it. You love it. And if you don't, look it up and respect it but um but it is different when you have like a pop song being the kind of thing sure. yeah i feel like you, it is like a kind of you know of... what i just realized is the most recent example i can think of tell me is how inception they use the uh uh, uh yeah, well but that's a super slow down version of whatever that song is by edith pf the no it sure is because that's the song they use to like go Wake up I'm from doing levels a or whatever. Full home alone they, on my face right now because I didn't realize listener, she that. She literally is. It's hands each a hand on each cheek. Oh my uh, goodness! Yeah, they just super slow that down. That. <laughs> that makes me like that choice. Which is, I just was like, oh, it's an ominous thing. Not an realizing ominous it was bwam. like an ominous pop. Oh, so bwaminous. That's great. Okay, respect. Okay, we're close to the end of the synopsis, (laughs) folks. Sam and Molly are interrupted when Carl breaks into the apartment and the women escape onto the fire escape and up to a loft under construction. Carl catches up to them, holding them at gunpoint, but Sam manages to disarm him. Carl tries to hurl a suspended hook at Sam, but it swings back, shattering a window and fatally impaling him. Guy, you trying to hurt a ghost? Come on. Um, The shadowy demons who came for Willie return to claim Carl's ghost Ah! for hell. You missed that, Carl? Took his shirt off, like, oh, it's been like, yeah, like in an a, earlier scene, in an earlier scene, he tries to, he real as if you, in case you were just like, didn't dislike him enough or in it, I, I didn't realize, yeah, I, I kind of assumed like, oh, he like purposely had him killed, but like, oh, he didn't want him killed. He just wanted him mugged and he got killed by accident because he just wanted to, if they could steal his key, then he could break in and get the codes. But then he got killed by accident and you're like. You could almost find a way where you could have a redemption arc for that kind of character. But then you're like, okay, now let's have him try to seduce the wife, the the widow of the guy that he had killed. And you're like, 
and he spills coffee on his shirt in the fakest manner. Oh, I better take the shirt off. I really thought he'd already showed off his abs. That was the first shot of the film. But that was when she was married or dating. Actually, wasn't they weren't married? But not when she's now single and ready to mingle. I mean, they full on smooch. They do have a little smooch. She's like crying, and she and she's like, and he's just like holding her head, and she's She's like, just think about Sam. Just think about your dead boyfriend. Smooch, yeah. I really thought he was gonna also then spill coffee in his pants and be like, "Whoops, better get these bad boys off too." Not my undies as well. Macaquis, (laughs) macaquis. Oh, oh, you know they also got my shoes and socks. I better take everything off. Uh, (laughs) Thankfully, I didn't spill coffee on these condoms I happen to bring. Oh, Um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam asks if the women are all right. Molly is now finally able to hear him. Magic and a heavenly light shines in the room, illuminating Sam's presence. Realizing that it is time for him to go, with his task now completed, he and Molly share a tearful goodbye and one final kiss, finally having a proper closure between them. Sam thanks Odame for her help and then walks into the light and onward to heaven. The casting directors of Ghost were Janet Hershenson and Jane Jenkins. Which, this is the first time that we finally, been, like, we've been doing this podcast now long enough that I was like, oh my gosh, it's Janet Hershenson and Jane Jenkins when we watched it. I know. Our old pals, of course, who cast previous episodes, The Princess Bride, Boom. Beetlejuice, Boom. and Jurassic Park. Boom. These two. Killing it. Nailing it. Year after year, these two killing it with the casting. Uh, So screenwriter Ruben was skeptical of Jerry Zucker and wanted either Milos Forman or Stanley Kubrick to direct. Stanley Kubrick. It would have been a very different film. A little spookier of a film. Um, Well, because because here's what Jerry Zucker had directed up to that point. Uh, Airplane. Oh. An episode of Police Squad with Leslie Nielsen. Uh. The movie Top Secret, this comedy with Val Kilmer. Uh, and Ruthless People with Danny DeVito and Bette Midler. So many comedies. So he was like, he he can't do this. And he definitely add, helped add a lot of comedy yeah. to the film. Um, I don't think it was he, the Jerry Zucker's idea, but it was the producer's idea. Because originally, Odame was going to actually be a psychic. And the producer's idea was to make her a charlatan because they thought it'd be funny. You gotta get an arc, but baby. You, exactly. You get so much more comedy mileage. and uh, mileage and interest out of out of that and of uh, what comedy you can mine. Because if, if you don't have the comedy... Which we'll get into, but a lot of the actors that were considered turned it down because they thought it wouldn't work. They're like, how can you have a movie where your protagonist is a ghost the whole time? And it could be either beautiful, as Demi Moore said. She's like, this is either going to be a great movie or a complete bomb. And she had faith that they would, like, work it out. But uh, if you don't have the levity in this, this is like a dirge, a mournful dirge of a film. So let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Now, some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all a little subjective. We're having fun. And as always, I've looked up all these alternate casting options in advance. And, and I've done nothing. Is going to hear them along with you, dear listener, for the very first time. So let's kick it off with Molly Jensen. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Demi Moore and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? My first thoughts, and by first, I mean a good two thirds of the movie were mm-hmm. like, oh, she's ready to play either Medium or Big Allison in Fun Home, the Broadway <laughs> musical. Um, she's just got like this like strong pixie haircut and she's like super artsy. And I was like, yeah, sure. this is yep. this is how like I've played Big Al. Like this is like, <laughs> this is like a, a like a softer haircut version of the one I had. Um, I have also written shocked at how good she is mm. because I, I haven't seen Demi more in that much. Yeah. And I'll admit, I think of her. I don't think of an actor. I think of all the stuff stuff with her public life which is sure married to bruce willis for a spell married to ashton kutcher like yeah yeah yeah. you know so i see her and i was like oh she's actually like really 
quite good. Yeah, she, I, I think of what the role requires for her to do, which is mainly is, just be in mourning. She is delivering it, I think, really beautifully. Yeah. I totally buy that this is someone who is dealing with this loss. Because basically the role is a little bit set up who this person is. We get that sculptress, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like... Potter, yeah. And that... Uh, a potter. Harry. M- Molly. Molly Potter. Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's got that short little pixie cock to hide the lightning bolt scar on her head. <gasps> oh, uh, all right. Crossover. I'm ready. Let's reclaim the narrative from JK. Let's make it work. Um. Anyway, so Molly. The you already Potter. got the Dementors. <laughs> it's so true. Okay. So Molly the Potter. Um. Basically, like, she's like, I'm like got a personality and I'm cool. And then, it, then basically, her job is to like deal with grief. And that, yep. I don't have a problem with that. That's a very real thing. That is mm-hmm. this particular moment in time. It's not like we're watching her over ten years. Sure. And it's just her in relation to this death. It is like this is the so event. immediate. So within like Absolutely. weeks, they don't really say how much time, but not a lot of time not could have a passed because Carl's got that time crunch where he's trying to like uh, yeah. find the codes and get the money and do the crime. Beep bop boop. Beep bop boop that crime. So like. I, I think she actually does a really great job in a way that I was like, I have more respect for her than I yeah. thought I did. Um, So I don't have a ton of options. Okay. So Jeff and I were talking uh, pre-pod <laughs> about, about this. And I was like, part of the, not issue necessarily, but, but part of, part of the thing with these two lead characters is because it is less about like, who they are in life and more about who they are in this very particular situation. Sure. It, it means a lot of people can do it and a lot of people would be compelling in it. And, and I was just like, well, I don't really know who I would want to see more yeah. than her. Cause I think she does it quite well. So I was like, okay, who are people who would have to get me to, to go see it right now? And I honestly couldn't think of a lot for Molly. That would be like, that would get me in the theater. Yeah. But I was like, who, who do I think would convey this in a way that I think if I went, if I bothered to go see them do it, would do it really, really well. Mm-hmm. So I have Carrie Mulligan. Sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. We also saw, um, I mean, she's been in a million movies, but we also saw her in an off, a solo show off Broadway. Oh, right. Where right, she right. was incredible and was kind of in this like role where she's like working through a lot of family stuff mm. and mourning where I was like, well, she can handle it. Yeah. And I buy her like weeping and yet like getting through all this stuff. Also, someone who rocks that pixie cut. I hadn't thought about it, <laughs> but someone who rocks the pixie cut. And then um, the one other thought I had mm-hmm. was Letitia Wright, because I just think she has a lot mm. of charm. She's someone who I would believe a lot in the artsy pre... Yes, Shuri from Black Panther is yes. what people mainly know, know her from. from. Yeah, I mean, it's mainly yeah. what I know her from. Right, but right, she's right. someone who I would like totally like believe in the, the charm and the kind of like artsy pre-widowhood mm. cool. role yeah. which i think is like important to establish yeah. so that she's not just a person dealing with grief but she's a human in these particular circumstances who you, then you need the actor that's going to add that inner life of that pre yes. before of it's not just of the moment it's also who is this person before all this happened yes totally totally yeah. well let's get into some of the actors who I'll auditioned try. and or were considered and see what you think of them so right off the bat Gina Davis. I love her. Reportedly offered the role, but turned it down to film Thelma and Louise. I think a solid move. It did get her that another Oscar nomination. She's already an Oscar winner at this point. But, uh, really? Yeah. For, for uh, She won an Oscar for The Accidental Tourist, wow. which came out the same year as Gina. Beetlejuice, as we talked about. 
in our Beetlejuice episode. That was so long ago, folks. <laughs> How am I to remember? How are you supposed to remember? I but, didn't write it down. But yes, Gina Davis, already an Oscar winner, but like still... I mean, Ghost is the highest grossing movie. It's a huge film, but also so is Thelma and Louise. It so sure I feel is. like they're I both think, great yeah. choices. And, I, and Thelma and Louise, she's a much more proactive character yes. in that and has more interesting things to do, I'd argue. Um, so I think a better choice overall. But strictly from a performance standpoint, I think she'd be so good because I think she's so good on everything. She's but, good um, at acting, folks. I think she'd be really good. Uh, Kim Basinger turned it down, who huh. was just coming off of Batman in 89. So she was uh-huh. riding high, coming off some big hits. Um, who I think will be fine. I think it's like a similar of like, I can see her is just like, I'm going to be beautifully crying through half of this movie. Yeah. Um, Meg Ryan was supposedly considered. No. <laughs> so instead of doing Ghost in 1990, Meg Ryan was doing Joe versus the Volcano. Which, Big you f- know what? She's better flop. in than she would have been in yeah. this. Still, it may have still, flopped, but like flopped. I watched it recently and it is charming. Really? Oh, okay. Um, and she was also playing Dr. Blight in 13 episodes of Captain Planet alongside <gasps> Whoopi Goldberg as <gasps> Gaia, uh, which I just thought was fun. Where I was like, wow. I didn't know like name actors were on Captain Planet. Because I watched Captain Planet as a kid, but that was clearly before I was like... Had any kind of awareness. Well, looks like Meg Ryan is in this episode again. <laughs> Apparently, this is how little Jeff talked. <laughs> like a real jerk. <laughs> like a real jerk. Um, I'm only going to watch the Captain Planet episodes with Whoopi Goldberg as gay. I only Did watch animated shows with Oscar-winning talent. Um, <laughs> Helen Hunt was considered. Um, sure. I actually, I'm, I'm a fan of Demi Moore in this. Like, yeah. I really think I, she's quite good. Of course, as am I. And this isn't like a who's better, who's worse. It's just like, what do you think of them as the casting? You know, no, like. I get it. I just, it's like Demi Moore yeah. is someone who I don't think of for mm-hmm. things. Sure. I've seen her in a couple of other things, but it's been so long. So yeah. to watch her in this and be like, no, no, no. I think she's really solid. It's not just like a wall of crying. Right. And oh, she's I, got I agree. a spine yeah. and she's got a personality that feels like it is uh like ingrained in her and yeah. like comes from this character and not just from the actor being charismatic yeah you know that i'm just like great which you need when the partner is going to be dead the whole time and she's going to have to yeah. like carry it because she doesn't understand she doesn't right. know right that for most still of the movie. around yeah. carrying the film um that's a good time to say i, for- I forgot to mention so the role this role of molly <laughs> a was given to more largely in part because she could cry out of either eye on command. Um, but this movie helped turn more into the highest paid actress at the time. Wow. Uh, so she had Ghost in 1990. And then 1992, Few Good Men. 1993, Indecent Proposal. 1994, Disclosure. All these movies made over $200 million worldwide. Wow, Huge wow. hits. And then 1995, she became the first woman to be paid $10 million for a film for The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And then... Later that year, paid $12.5 million to do the movie Striptease. Wow. And was the highest paid actress ever at the time. Good for Demi Moore. I will say the Good thing for that her, when yeah. I think Demi Moore, the yeah. thing I most think of her as being most um, influential for mm-hmm. is that cover of, I think it was Vogue. It might have been Vanity Fair. But it was the the cover where she was pregnant 
and she right, was naked. Right, because right, right, up right. until that point, you were supposed to wear maternity clothes that like really were billowy and kind of, mm. like people would know you were pregnant, but it masked but the fact that you were pregnant. But we don't want to think about no, it. No, we, we want to understand right, that you're right. pregnant, but not have to look at it. Yeah. Whereas like she then is like, here's me nude on yeah. the cover. And it empowered women to start wearing form-fitting clothes when they were pregnant and not be like, oh, I'm pregnant. I got to hide it. shameful thing. Right. It's and a it's beautiful like, thing. It's like, it's who cares? It's also like there are so many people who are like... Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm hot. I've been hot. I'm going to continue to be hot. I happen to be growing a child. Who cares? You know, and I, so like that was a huge moment. Yeah. Um, in, in certainly pop culture. So like when I think of Demi Moore, that is the thing I think of like first and foremost. And it's yeah. so funny to look back on this like younger Demi Moore before she was ever going to make that impact. True. And just be like yeah. good and charming in a film, which is also great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Well, then. I fully agree with you. So let's so so just imagining a world where she turned it down for yes. X, Y, or Z. Um, what do you think about Jennifer Jason Lee? I don't have a lot of thoughts. It's okay. fine. It's okay. fine. Now, there was a long-standing rumor that Jennifer Jason Lee won the part of Molly in Ghost. And to me, when the lead of this movie called Miami Blues, which is about Alec Baldwin as an ex-con impersonating a cop. And Moore refused to star in Miami Blues, so both actresses switched parts, according <gasps> to this rumor. Which, if that's true, that was a real woof on whoa, Jennifer Jason Leigh. Because, uh, I mean, of course, this, so many things could have gone wrong for Ghost. This movie could have easily oh. bombed. Cause There's times when I was watching it, I was like, it's a miracle it's done so well, given that shot's in the film. You the, know? the wall-to-wall carpeting of The Office? <laughs> I, I was thinking more some of Swayze's reactions, but yes, right. the wall-to-wall carpeting right, is right, right, a right, strong right. choice. <laughs> Um, Andy McDowell was. I can see it. Considered. I understand like, it. You uh, want a brunette? I get uh, it. Uh, Madonna turned it down due to scheduling conflicts. Madonna is artsy AF. She sure is. In 1990, she was doing Dick Tracy as uh, Breathless Mahoney, I think her name yeah. was. And was that was the year of the Vogue music video. I get it. So it's still a huge year I'm for Madonna. I'm not shocked Madonna. by Madonna. I think no. Demi Moore, probably a better actor than Madonna. I 100% agree. But, but I see why. I see why. But I could also see, I could say it. I you also it. want just someone who's like, who's going to be like, hi. <laughs> like, not just like, who's hot right now, but like, who's going to look always hot. be hot. Molly Ringwald auditioned but turned it down. And it's like, oh, Molly, 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 girl. Molly, you in danger, girl. <laughs> you should have taken the movie, Molly, girl. Molly, your career's in danger, girl. <laughs> so true, though. So true. Well, it's hard. It can be hard to, like, know of what's going to be good. And what's... How do you know? And especially when you're like, oh. How do uh, you know? So a romantic drama uh, about a guy. Go- Guy that has a ghost from the director of Airplane. A Wall Street ghost. From the director of Top Secret, which the cover is like Val Kilmer parachuting down into a field of cows. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mary Steenburgen auditioned. She's great. She is great. She turned it down because she thought it was silly, which a lot of people. I mean, on 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 the page, page, this looked like a real. A thing to skip. Yeah. In 1990, she was she had Back to the Future 3, which was not as big as Back to the Future 1 and 2, but was still a big movie. It was a hit. Um, exactly. So it's still a, still a good year. Still in terms of being like, just imagine like a year later being like, I turned oh, yes. down yeah, the yeah, highest yeah, grossing yeah. film. Ghost. Um, Ghost. Uh, Kathleen Turner turned it down, fearing the movie would be a flop. Wow. Which, yeah. Yeah, and that's fair. You know what? Kathleen Turner has still done just fine. She sure has. She's interesting to me because she's someone also with like 
such a strong performer. Like even like uh, and like yeah. Body Heat, which is like 8081, when you're like, oh my god, this person's like 24, and it's also also that husky voice helps. But she's always had like such a like she's a real throttle out of the gate, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, Demi Moore also would go on to be G.I. Jane. So she's also someone that you're like, you've got, like, those layers underneath That's where you're going to be like. That's one of the only other uh, uh, Demi Moore features oh. I've seen. I saw it in the theater. Don't remember a thing other than. <laughs> the push-ups and the bald head? Vaguely, yes. That's that's about all I recall. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and finally, Nicole Kidman auditioned. But according to writer Bruce Joel Rubin, she wasn't a big enough name at the time. Well, yeah. She was riding the coattails of a certain TC. Uh, 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 not yet? Not yet. Because <gasps> she was coming off of uh, Dead Calm in 89 with Sam Neill and Billy Zane, which is kind of like the thing that kind of put her on the map. Right. Uh, this tiny, low budget color. Yet? No, no, no. 1990 is the year of Days of Thunder. This was the year. She, that's where she met Tom Cruise. Wow. So if she had been cast in Ghost, she would not have been free to do Days of Thunder and would never have met so, and married Tom Cruise. As much as we know, she endured some heartache and probable abuse. It also... Gave her her children and it's launched true. her into a position in the public eye where she could then be goddess queen Nicole Kidman. <laughs> Big Little Lies Nicole Kidman. Big Little Lies Nicole Kidman. Oda May. <laughs> Amy Jo, your thoughts on Whoopi Goldberg as Oda May and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Whoopi's perfect. She's so funny. I mean, it clearly so also was shaped around her and her skills, and it's so good, and she looks incredible. She's costumed brilliantly. Oh, that outfit where she's like, as a, a what's-her-face, Rita Miller, Rita... With the pink. It? Oh, that pink. It's that so pink. good. And the little pillbox hat with the little feather suits. in it. It's Amazing. so good. Amazing. She's wonderful. I, I really don't have any thoughts for anyone uh, contemporary to her, mm-hmm. because like, just like, go away, quite frankly, <laughs> if you're not... Whoopi. But again, if I'm thinking, who would get me to come to see this as a remake? Oh, okay. I have a few options, and they're all very different, mm-hmm. but yet, at the same time, most of them are comedians. In fact, all of them are comedians. Great. Um, which, as Whoopi was. Yeah, you know, of course. I have Nicole Byer, of oh. course, because Nicole Byer... <laughs> Has been one of the funniest people I've ever known since before yes. all of you folks yes. knew she was funny. So back off. Nailed it. Nailed Long before she was on a cooking show. Exactly. I've been like, that's exactly. the funniest person where I've is, ever seen. Where so many people know her from. But she is but she's screamingly, screamingly funny, funny performer. Uh, Leslie Jones. Ooh, yeah. I feel yeah, like yeah, she yeah. also, like, that's what she does really mm-hmm. well. It's just like, I don't know about this kind of thing. <laughs> and then, like, I'm going to overplay it with confidence. I then have Bob the drag queen oh boy. because Bob is so funny. Yeah. Like Bob is a consummate performer. Le- Leslie then- Jones, I think would have been really good in that bank scene of trying oh, to cash that's that, exactly cash that check what and, I was and having to give the check up to the nuns. I, I really like, can I see Leslie Jones that. in that. Um, <sighs> and then my, my final choice is someone who's, who's less known, but should be more known. And that's oh. Monique Moses, who is in astronomy club. Yes. And she's, she's just so funny. Basically what you need with this is a, a full throttle performer. Who's also a good actor. Yeah. And someone who is like, I will go to the 12th degree if that's what you require of me. And I will not be afraid of that and like lean into it. But then also yeah. someone who's, who's like good. At, I mean, will be so good at like all, all the stuff that it requires her to do. She can't look at her scene partner right you know she has to like hear him even though like the actor is there right in front of her yeah it's all it's all this technical stuff that she's doing uh, brilliantly but i think also all of those performers i just mentioned would be really wonderful totally i mean her performance is so good that like there's a moment 
where Sam like realized first learns like oh you we can possess people it happens once before he possesses her to slow dance with Molly mm-hmm. when another guy possesses jumps into jumps her. into Whoopi's to like talk to his wife his widow like at her uh, uh like uh psychic build place whatever institution institution um but it's so good that you don't even think about you're like oh no it's just Whoopi Whoopi's just pretend acting now as this guy possessing her where you're just looking at it and you're like oh yeah this is this guy possessing her opposed to like no no Whoopi's doing all of this Whoopi's doing both these things um so Whoopi Goldberg the first actor to win Best Supporting Actress at the Academy Awards the BAFTA Awards and the Golden Globes very first person um on The View, Whoopi revealed that she only got the role of Oda May because Swayze fought for her. Really? The producers resisted casting her, but Swayze told them he wasn't doing the film <gasps> unless Whoopi was in it too, and that she was the right one for the part. And at, even though at that point, her and Swayze had never even met. And Whoopi said, like, quote, and I won an Oscar because of Patrick Swayze oh. and called him a stand-up guy. And I'm like, that's so beautiful to be like, to use your power. I think that's phenomenal and that's like exactly what people need to be doing i 100 agree so let's get into the actors up for oda may right off the bat patty labelle auditioned oh okay sure yeah yeah um shortly before production began Whoopi was unsure she was going to be able to fit the movie into her work schedule the part was then verbally offered to jackie harry who accepted however at the last minute goldberg was able to do the film after all and harry was dropped so Jackie Harry, uh, if you don't know, was on this 80s show with Marla Gibbs called 227. It was like her, right. a really big thing. I mainly know her because she is the mom in Sister, Sister. Yeah, so that's just like, that's that's rough. That's rough when you're like, you you would have done it. But it was like the scheduling conflicts kind of nudged you out because uh, oh. Jackie Harry definitely did not reach the, the heights height. of Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, no. Well, if you have. If you have. He got winner, Whoopi Goldberg. He got. Oh, hold up. That sound means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy, or in this episode's case, Two Truths and Some Person. Gender is dead. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Otome, one was not. Amy Jo is to guess which is which. Your options are... Okay. Oprah. Okay. Felicia Rashad. (gasps) And Tina Turner. Wow. My first impulse to say the one who was not considered was Tina Turner, but I, I bet I'm wrong. Is that your guess? Yes. Incorrect. Oh, that's Well, see, there you go. <laughs> I was like, I think that... Felicia Rashad. That is correct. Felicia I mean, Rashad, as far as I could tell, was not up for She's Oda also May. much more like, I'm a Shakespearean heroine who's played a mother on television. <laughs> um, but she's wonderful. Yes, of course. I can see. Okay, that's I why can I, see, that's I, why can I said see, I can see. I can see. I can um, see. But yeah, Oprah and Tina Turner were both, were both up for it, which are both interesting choices. Both for sure. Very, both great performers, yeah. as we know. Yeah. Oprah, Whoopi's co-star in Color Purple. Oprah being Oprah. And also being Oprah. But Come in terms on. of as an actor, I wasn't... Oprah's no, not... No, 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 no. I mean, nor is Tina Turner. Tina Turner, who's probably best known as an actor for Mad Max. Thunderdome! Thunderdome! <laughs> Which, anytime I say Thunderdome, I can't say it like I've just said it to you. You I have, have to, to say, say it like that. Thunderdome! <laughs> exactly. Um, let's move on to that wicked Carl Brunner. <laughs> the wickedly talented Carl Dazim. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Tony Goldwyn and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I think he is 
really good. I, I don't have any perspective on him aside from this film. Right. He, I mean, Scandal is like the big thing. He's like the president on Scandal. And uh, I the... don't watch television. Sure, sure, sure. He's also, oh, he's know. the villain in this really bad Arnold Schwarzenegger movie called The Sixth Day, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger gets cloned. So there's two Arnolds and he's the villain. Um, but who would you cast? If you had okay. To cast I had a lot of thoughts. Okay. Oh. So basically like Carl and Oda May were easier for me because they are character parts which Mm. is where i live but also like there's a more extreme kind of want that is uh, connected to who they are as people and not just who they are as people in this particular circumstance so i had more thoughts so i have a variety yeah uh, here so one of the things i i thought of like okay this is like a slightly older although he's probably not actually older at this point but like he feels like a slightly older version of like Michael Sarah. Michael like, Sarah is probably older now than Tony Goldwyn was. He at was the like, time I of, think, 30 when he filmed this. So that's probably true. Pro- I think Michael Sarah has to be over true. 30 at but this But when point. I think of Michael Sarah, <laughs> I think of like a hapless 20 something. So, like, there is something fun, I think, about someone who seems non threatening and like sweet, who then you're like, this guy is the villain. Well, he's in uh, that Aaron, not great Aaron Sorkin movie, Molly's Game. Which, Michael Sarah is? Uh, yes, where he's playing because it's based on. Yes. I'm gonna play Molly's game. Where she's like running these like high stakes poker games for all like these elite, including Hollywood elite. So he's playing. No, he is playing a version of Tobey Maguire. And he is like the worst. He's like, he all, he's like trying to get her blackballed where he's like hitting on her when she doesn't accept his advances. He's like, I'm going to bury you. And he's playing like such a jerk. And, but he's supposed to be apparently playing. Tom McGuire, who uh, I didn't think folks. of, but would also be a good Carl. Because you're like someone oh, you're like, he's the friend. Totally. Or you're like, oh, you're just like this little incel that you're just like this little. But not even incel. Because the thing is, like, he's really attractive and like. Then why doesn't he get it. a different woman instead of trying to you would think awfully spill coffee on his shirt and sleep because with. Because he wants Jesse's girl. <laughs> he wants her. And it's like. Molly's a... girl. I want Sammy's girl. <laughs> da, 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 da. Point is. um. Maybe it's just the curly hair and yeah. slight awkwardness. Yeah. It, it was interesting. When you said Michael Sarah, what came to mind was, <laughs> I mean, I, I, Michael, I think Michael Sarah is great, but kind of the um the more, whatever you want to call it, the, not the classier version, the like more Oscar-y version of Michael Sarah, Jesse Eisenberg, I could also really say. Maybe. I just think Michael Sarah is like a little sweeter and goofier. I agree. I feel like that he's got that quality down pat. It's more of the turn of Michael Sarah with the gun. Oh, for sure. Uh, 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 for sure. I don't say that I would buy it. I need to see the audition, you know, which is why I have other options. Now, another 90s option is Ooh. Bill Pullman. Sure. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yes. 1990 Bill Pullman. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love like it. if we've seen, what's that movie with Linda Evangelista? Um, Linda Evangelista. Is it Linda Evangelista? Do you mean The Last Seduction with yes. Linda Fiorentino? <laughs> <laughs> I know my language. I knew it. And I and I know how to speak With Linda your language. Edder, uh, who's a Broadway the person. Last yes, the last, last seduction. Yes, 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 yes. It's a very Absolutely. last seduction yeah. energy I can where it's so just see like it. you're like, oh, he's charming. No, he's the worst. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I would totally buy that. I was like, you're like, oh, this affable guy. He works on Wall Street. No, he's two-faced. Like he of course plays sure. that tension really well. Yeah, now that we're talking about this, so many other people are coming to mind. I'm, I could also see like nineteen ninety Jeff Daniels, where you're like, Oh, yes. he's just a goofy friend. And you're like, oh no, you're also like this the you're worst. out to get me right yeah that's totally, all it needs totally. to be is someone that you buy as like friendly and then you're like 
he's not. That's why I also have on here, you know, this would not be 1990, but mm-hmm. this would be a, a, a not contemporary, but somewhere in the middle would be like Elijah Wood. That is who I was going to say. No for, for, a, for a modern day version, either Elijah Wood or Topher Grace, I think are the both yes. where you're like, oh, you're the nerdy best friend. And you're like, oh no. Well, Elijah Wood made me think of Eternal Sunshine, which is like, yeah. I'm like pining after this woman who she does not know you exist because you're just erasing yeah. memories in her brain. Um, the one person that I thought of for 1990, Carrie Elwes, because yeah. he's coming off of Princess Bride yeah. in 1988. And I think this is the year, or 89 is Glory, um, which he's also in. So uh-huh. he's like known enough, but he's not like so big that I think he, you could you could buy the turn. Yeah. Because I, I didn't, I meant to go watch the trailers for Ghost. To, I was curious to see if how much they reveal or if it's like a, a twist when you're like the friend is in. I wonder if like audiences. It's supposed to be a twist. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if like if you're like if it's telegraphed because nowadays you're like okay. Well, I mean, in that in that case, it helps having an unknown for this role because if you've got too big exactly. of a name, you're, you're waiting for them. Understand that he's gonna have some big dramatic turn. Exactly. Um, I mean, not really talk about him in the role, but I think I think he does a really good job. Oh, I think he. I this. think he's really great. He's very charming. He's like oddly attractive. You're like, wow, I'm I'm attracted. I see. I see why she is attracted to him and like yeah. almost seduced by him. But then him. he pinches up that face, and he looks. He looks yes. like such a, like a mean little. It's like, it's like a little baby face. But when he pinches it up, you're just like, oh, you've got like such malice behind those it's, eyes. It's a really. Uh... It's very useful as an actor because if he were like too much more obviously attractive, mm. he wouldn't really get to play a part like that. You know, not not usually. But if he were too more, it, it's, if he it's like you're too. Attra- it's like you you're tra- too you're attractive enough. You should be playing Sam, but you're nobody, so you're never gonna get a chance to audition for Sam because this is what he was doing at the time. Uh, this these were his credits, uh, and one episode each of Murphy Brown designing women. And L.A. Law and like a few other like things that no one's ever heard of. He was mainly just a Camp TV classic guest star at that point. Like not even like oh a season's Good arc on. I know, but he, so here's here's my stuff on Tony Goldwyn because okay. this is how he kind of got this role and which launched his career. Quote: I fought my way into an audition on Ghost. Goldwyn said, "My wife was the production designer on that movie." At that time, she was much more successful than me and was doing all these big movies. And she kept saying, they haven't cast that part. You should bug your agent. And I kept harassing my agent who would never return my phone calls. And I managed to get an audition. And by a fluke, they stumbled on my audition tape and said, that guy was really good. Jerry Zucker, the director, told Entertainment Weekly in 1990 that he was skeptical of Tony. We quote, we saw his tape and were immediately struck by how good he was, but I wasn't sure he was right for the part. He seemed too nice. But they kept returning to his audition tape, and finally, Goldwyn convinced them that Carl needed to be both nice and evil to be believable. Yes! Yeah. Because otherwise, Sam, why would Sam be surprised? Why would Molly trust why him? Why would they be friends with him? Yes! And I mean, I could see the version where he's just kind of like more of the alpha bro, where he's still the friend, and you're like, yeah, he's the good guy, but you can kind of see coming from more yeah. a mile away. Whereas instead, he's like kind of on par with Sam. It's not even like he's like the um whatever... <sighs> Better version, not the beta to his alpha, but like the small dog to his build big dog, which He's you could also, also like, see when you when you see uh, the the blue sea of carpet. <laughs> He's out in the like kind of the main. Mm. Oh, what's that called? Like the. There's a term for it, but I don't work in an office, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he, he doesn't. Like the, the he's cattle, just got his desk. He's not field. right. But, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Sam he has have an his, office because oh. he's also a few years older. Right, so you buy right. also that they're buddies, but he's kind of a junior. Yeah, and and that that's part of what prompts this thing, which 
you know, greed yeah. and, and maybe some lust then spurns this, mm. this thing. But it's like, if it didn't have to happen, he wouldn't have had this guy killed. He didn't totally. like hate this guy. Right, right. Um, <laughs> Goldwyn said for years after this film, he would be maltreated in public because of his role because he was so <laughs> identified. So he, at one point, he, a waitress refused to serve him and he couldn't figure out why. She's like shooting him death stares until she finally came up to him and asked if he was an actor. And he's like, I am. And she, he's like trying to figure out what it was from. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I knew I hated you, but I didn't know where from. <laughs> and because I couldn't place who you were. Um, he said that it really wasn't until, because he also, the other thing I know him from, he's the voice of Tarzan in the Disney animated film. And really? he said it wasn't until then when he could be like, I'm also the voice of Tarzan that people would be like, oh, great. Here, I guess you're okay. My, my kids can like be like, listen, it's Tarzan. Opposed to like, listen, young Bobby, it's the, the I love that it's Carl even, from Ghost. Even in Hollywood, which is such a one horse town, people are like, hey, you, I know you must be a real joke because you are a real joke to that Patrick Swayze. Well, like, well, it's just the way it's a waitress, not, you know, a casting director who's like, I can't cast you in this. I don't know why, but I hate you. Maybe it's because I'm looking at your resume and it says ghost. <laughs> um, So they said they wanted like a big name actor for this role. But the only person I could find that was up for this was this actor, Ken Olin, who was on the show 30-something. So he was considered, but his commitment to 30-something prevented him from accepting, which now he is a very accomplished uh, producer. He's the executive oh. producer. He was the executive producer on Alias, oh. Brothers and Sisters, and is now the EP on This Is Us. So he's he went on to be- okay Just fine, exactly. He is A-okay. Uh, let's briefly touch on Willie Lopez, the mugger who winds up killing Swayze, who was uh, played by this actor, Rick uh, of Aviles. I couldn't quite, I couldn't Spell find it. A-V-I-L-E-S. Aviles, maybe. Aviles. I don't know. I'm here to tell you, folks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Rick Aviles, let's say that, um, who, who wasn't in a ton of things. He was in a few things, including uh, Green Card, also in 1990, with Andy oh. McDowell. Um, but he passed away in 1995. Oh. But I... He seemed so young. He was very young. But I mainly wanted to touch on him because the one other person uh, that I know that was up for this uh, was uh, esteemed character actor Louise Guzman. Oh, hi! I know of Boogie Nights, Traffic, of Punch Drunk Love, 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 love Louise Guzman. Uh, and he's he. There's a documentary um, focused on character actors that he talked about that he's frequently stopped by fans of Ghost who say, asked him oh. like, "Why did you kill Patrick Swayze?" <gasps> um, <laughs> and he's like, "It wasn't me." But like, it wasn't me. <laughs> and I was so I knew this. I do this research in advance, and then and for the, usually a lot of these films I've seen before, Jurassic Park, Beetlejuice, this I'd never seen, so I was like curious, and I was like, "Ooh, he actually he does look a lot." Rick ah. Aviles does look a lot like Luis Guzman, um, but I just thought that was funny that like he gets stopped Aww. for being like, "Why'd you kill him?" And he was like, "I didn't get the chance. I was I, I would have loved. I to didn't gotten paid to kill Patrick Swayze. I, <laughs> I didn't make the cut. I love those residuals, please." <laughs> Yeah, my my one thought on that, oh, and I think yeah. he was he was great. Yeah, but um, this is what I wrote: the only people of color uh, in this movie are the guy with the gun and the literal magical Negro trope. Ooh, not yeah. cool. You know what? You are not wrong, wrong. Amy but Jo. I also wrote. Now I'm not sure 100 percent what neighborhood this is meant to be, but I believe it's meant to be Bushwick, based on oh, the where he train is? stops where oh, he okay, is, yeah. which is her neighborhood. And I said the, right, the right. thing is. Bedside Bushwick, that area had definitely not been gentrified in the 90s. So it makes mm -hmm. sense that it would be predominantly a Latinx and black community. But I was still like, 
these are really these are the only people of color that we even see. Yeah. Um, You're not wrong. Interesting. Yeah, 1990. Interesting. Wrong. You're not wrong. Well, we'll see if there were any actors of color up for the our last role of Sam Wheat. And I'll tell you now, no. I was about to say, I'll <laughs> eat my hat. <laughs> but I'll say up the bat, before uh, I get your thoughts on Patrick Swayze and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else, you know who I wish was up for this? Coming off hot off his Oscar win the previous year in glory, Denzel. He's on my list. He's on your list. He's on my uh, list. I would have loved to have seen Denzel. A young Denzel. Um, and he is, I didn't even think about that until this moment. He does play a ghost in this movie, I think in like 91, 92, called, I think, Heart Condition, which is like him and Bob Hoskins, where he's like, wow. I know, I think Bob, it's like Bob Hoskins is a cop who's probably a bit racist, and Enzo Washington's a, as like a lawyer who's now a ghost, and they gotta work together. Wacky shenanigans potentially ensue. Um, right, I didn't think of that, that he was like, oh yeah, he did play a ghost. Um, but, what, so, uh, but yes, your thoughts on Swayze, and uh, who would you cast? If you had to cast someone else. I think Swayze's pretty good. I, I've seen Swayze in other things where I've been more like, Ah, oh, yes. Knocked it out of the park, Swayze. This, I think, like, he he executes the job very well, but I no. wasn't left feeling like, what a signature performance. Yeah, like, I, I, think it, I think it gets the job done perfectly serviceable, yes. but there's a reason that neither him or Demi Moore were up for an Oscar. Yes. And Whoopi Goldberg won the Oscar. Exactly, because she left an indelible mark where you're like, I really can't see anyone else doing this. Yeah. And it being this successful. Whereas him, I'm like, I think probably a lot of other people could have done this. And it mm. would have been just as good. Mm-hmm. Um, my note about Swayze is you can really hear that Texan accent. <laughs> oh, yeah, like really? When said, well, basically, okay, so like my Texan accent went, especially when I was younger and didn't, I didn't really have one mm-hmm. because I watched a lot of British comedy growing up. I watched so much Fry and Laurie. This explains so much. So much. <laughs> that I was like, no, people were like, where are you from? I'm like, here. They're like, no, but where where did you grow up? I'm like, literally here. What, what, what was it again? Your your brother-in-law's uh, niece? Oh, who... my gosh. <laughs> 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 yeah, okay. So uh, my, my, my husband, my husband, oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> my brother's husband's niece Mm -hmm. so yeah my niece-in-law who was like i want to say like five or six at the time Mm because this is before they were they were married and we we hung out all day we went to like the the central park um uh puppet show like we went and saw that you know but we were all like talking after we we like hung out all day and we're like talking in central park and she very politely because she's a very sweet little thing goes up to her mother (laughs) and asks her mother Mom, what language does Miss Amy speak? <laughs> I also went on a trip that required a bunch of interpreters, um, but they were used to talking to Texans. It was mainly like Texans that they, th- those were the primary English speakers that they knew yeah. were, were people who spoke English with a, a Texan twang. Right. And I found out at the end of the week when they were finally feeling like, loose enough to talk to me about it that I was the hardest to understand uh, and I was like you don't understand I speak so beautifully although, clearly although in that circumstance you you were speaking a more uh, like a general like non-regional American non-regional but, American accent but yes. with uh, with Michael's niece it's because sometimes you will adopt a, a more fanciful uh, an auntie meme type I can't turn it well, off can't turn it. well A why would you but B that is why she's asking what language does Miss Amy speak it's a classic <laughs> 
Okay, but the point is, when I was younger, I would still speak with these like round tones, except for this like one sound primarily, which is what we call what we call the pen pin substitution, which is to say, when mm. I was younger, I thought P-E-N and mm-hmm. P-I-N were homonyms. I truly did not understand they were meant to be pronounced differently. Oh. I would count to tin. Oh. I would count seven, eight, nine, ten. Can and you I, hand me that pin? Can you have not even pin? I pin. didn't do that like bang right. you're doing. Can you hand me that pin? Can you hand me that pin? Mm, I didn't. Oh, wow. I, I did not know that pin and pen mm-hmm. were different words uh, until I like went and did like a summer college like uh, theater training program, and they like gave me a lot of crap about it. I was like, <gasps> so I had to learn how to say forget. Instead of forget, not right. forget. I wasn't like right. giving you that, but like, yes, so, but anyway, you weren't coming said, around like Annie Oakley. He says I a got, few yes. words that you're like, but what it pops is out. That? Yeah. And, but he said a few times, he's like, friend. And I was oh. like, oh, that man is from Tejas. <laughs> that man has not trained that pen pin substitute because it, where it gets really hard is where there's a nasal consonant that follows, which is why friend is really hard, uh, you know, as opposed to like, insulate i now pronounce as like insulate because i'm i overcorrect but like oh, i like really hear patrick i was like oh he's really like letting that fly because mm. he's also in moments where he's like more emotional yeah which is when you're going to get that thicker anyway sure. the point is he's just fine he's good he's he's just fine to good um my thoughts this is based purely on faces that he made <laughs> oh dear i wrote the the first thing i wrote Steve Martin for the parody. Oh, boy. You know, I get it. Can't you see it, though? Yeah. Where he's, like, doing the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels version of this, where he's, like, pretending he's a ghost or seeing a ghost. Like, it's those faces where he's like, oh, well, I'm so sad. You know, like, it really was, like, a Steve Martin level. And I was like, well, it's because these are heightened emotions, but it's hard because he's acting by himself. There is a full-out comedy version of this movie that I can so easily see. Yes, and that's... And Steve Martin is perfect for the full comedy version where it's, uh, you know, Steve Martin and uh, Lily Tomlin. (laughs) I was just thinking of the movie All of Me, which is where Lily Tomlin's the ghost and she possesses Steve Martin, (gasps) uh, which is a very underrated film and has some some of the best Steve Martin physical comedy because it's just him acting as if he's being possessed by Lily Tomlin. Oh, he's so funny. (laughs) Um, So some other thoughts I had. Um, I have have thoughts from all over the map time-wise because I was also like, who would get me to see this movie? Mm, So like, if we're going back in time, like I was also thinking like, (laughs) I was thinking one of the things Okay, now we're back in time. Hello! <laughs> it's the 70s! <laughs> or earlier? Anyway, um, I was thinking, like, you need someone for this part because so much of it is a romance, capital R. Oh, yeah. You need someone where you, like, buy that chemistry and he's yes. like, so sexy. And here's the thing about Swayze. I can acknowledge he's empirically attractive. Mm-hmm. I'm not attracted to him. And that's fine. And many other people are good for them yeah. but as far as like okay who who would i want to watch and be like yes yeah. a young paul newman like oh, brick uh, era cat in a hot tin roof era course. paul newman shot cool, cool uh, hand luke using cool those cool hand hands on newman. that pottery clay <laughs> <laughs> wow newman you got some real cool hands <laughs> Um, I have Denzel on here, yeah, like a young Denzel. Come on. Um, more contemporary. Oh. I I think 
Sterling K. Brown. I think he's like so attractive, so totally. charming. I would yeah. be like, who wronged this man? <laughs> uh, vengeance. That's what I would feel. Um, I also, now this is, okay, this is super mm. niche. <laughs> However, I was like, who are the most attractive people working in cinema? And there's oh. this Bollywood actor, which now that I, once I started thinking about him, I was like, oh, Bollywood, one thing Bollywood does really well is like, romance yeah. and like drama like like true crime action and comedy broad comedy they can do all those in one film and it's like okay and i was like wow do we need to remake ghost as a bollywood film maybe so but anyway this actor named tiger shroff um is so attractive so like i mean he's an incredible dancer a la the sways you know like i think he would be very exciting and inviting and then a totally totally different thought that i had is like someone who's very attractive and also like swayze someone who's known more for action films uh and who i've, I've mentioned before and i'll mention again is tom hardy yeah that's the other person i could think of today which we'll get oh. into um because one of the things that I like liked about casting Swayze in this is that, you know, he's coming off of Roadhouse. He's coming off of uh, Next of Kin, which, A, he said that he had to do this film for his soul because he didn't want to be just an action guy and he felt like so unfulfilled by them. But when you're taking someone who's known for, if not just, if not action, for physicality, and then they become a ghost. So they're unable to use that physicality. There's yeah. a, a, such an interesting, uh, it's that juxtaposition of taking someone who's like, with those muscles, with that, like, able to use that, like, as a dancer, even, of, of like, yeah. dirty dancing, of, like, whether it's fighting or dancing, he's He's a had physical... the time of his law. He sure has. But he's a very physical performer, is my point. So when you take away his ability to touch his co-stars uh, <gasps> and physically interact with people, it, it's interesting of... I just think it adds a certain something. Totally. And which is why I think Tom Hardy, another very physical performer, I think would be so good in a modern-day version. Yeah. Um, you made me Someone think... who I also buy as like maybe emotionally cut off, mm. trying to work through it, and then yeah, doesn't realize his... until it's too late. Right? That, like, he doesn't I say should've... "I love you." He just says "ditto." I should have like made an effort, and now this is meaningful to me. And now that I'm dead, I can finally say what I mean. Right. You know? So you made me think. It's not technically a. I don't think it's technically a Bollywood film, but in India in 1991, uh, pretty much did an uncredited remake of Ghost called uh, Payar Ka Seya. I'm gonna har I'm horribly pronouncing that. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, uncredited remake of Ghost, which is like wealthy Avinash Saxena is killed by his cousin Vimal, who wants to take over his property and estate. Avinash leaves behind his widow wife. Puha, who is abused by Vimal. This makes Avinash's soul unable to find a resting place and continues to wander in turmoil, trying to warn Puha about the impending danger, but she's unable to neither see or hear him. One day, luck favors him when he meets a fortune teller, Maya Gangadami, who can listen to his voice, and through her, he is able to communicate yes, with his wife. Yes, yes. This, was, such, this like, is 91, so they really saw this and immediately like, let's truly, cash in on this. once I thought of Tiger Shroff, who yeah. is such a charismatic performer. If you want to find him... Um, Oh, I'm, I'm, looking, just, I'm just I'm showing Amy Joe the, the poster for this movie. And apologies, listener yes. at home. I didn't intend to talk about this film, so I'm sure I butchered so much pronunciation. So I'm very, very sorry about that. Once I thought of this actor, Tiger Shroff, if you just look him up and look up him dancing, the, I, I, I first he first came to my attention in this movie where he is like helping this girl he's interested in win a dancing competition but the problem is he's so much better at dancing than she is just like <laughs> not plot wise yeah purely the Pure, actors yeah, okay. and it's like no 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 she's not winning they're like 
get off the stage. You, we want that guy. But he's like so beautiful and charismatic and like commands the screen. But like, yeah, yeah looking at this, I was like, oh, something about the like largest and unapologetic romantic, like embra- the embrace of the romantic in Indian cinema, yeah. I think would make this make a lot of sense. I agree. I mean, it's it's such a heightened concept for a film. Yes. Um, which I think lends itself to to Bollywood. Uh, I can absolutely see this a, as a Bollywood film and B, yeah, yes, I, th- I think that's, these are wonderful points. Um, so, so as he said, this was the hardest role of his career, mainly because he had to be an observer to the action and not a participant. And just like land some quips. Yeah, well, it's a when, lot of... When Whoopi is the one who's so <laughs> funny. Like, that's part of the problem, I think, is like, he's not as funny as she is. You no. need someone with a slightly more sardonic sense of humor. Almost like, you know what? Bradley Cooper might have been okay sure. in this. Like, yeah. uh, like landing those like, yeah. oh, really? Yeah. What a crock kind of things to the yeah, side. Yeah, Bradley Cooper. I mean, a young Robert Downey Jr. Yes. I could totally see. Someone that can like, I can buy the sardonic, that I can buy them talking to themselves. I can buy it like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the screenwriter, Bruce Joel Rubin is the one who wanted Swayze. Um, because he, after he'd seen an interview that Swayze gave, uh, when the interviewer brought up Swayze's father, who had passed away oh, in 1982. I couldn't remember how long ago. So it was, still, it was a while ago, but still, in 1982, uh, when he brought up his father, and Swayze burst into tears in this interview. And, and Ruben thought, if a macho guy like Swayze can cry over a loved one like that on, t- on national TV, mm. he'd be perfect for the movie. Mm. So Ruben was like, I want Swayze. So Jerry Zucker wasn't as familiar with Swayze's work. So he rented, or he went to a screening of Roadhouse um, <laughs> and came out and was like, oh, and he said, quote, over my dead body. Because he's like, this guy yucka, is yucka, so yucka. wrong. But then a bunch of actors that we're about to talk about turned it down. And then they finally allowed Swayze to audition on the insistence of Swayze's manager. And Swayze read the end of the script aloud, that last scene. Yeah. And reading that is what changed Zucker's mind. And he said, quote, we all had tears in our eyes right there in the office. And we knew how it ends. I saw a side of Patrick that I never knew existed. Maybe this is also the gift of hindsight. But like, I see an action star like Patrick Swayze yeah. in, in something like Roadhouse, which we've watched a <laughs> so many times. Because it's But like, perfect. I see someone who's got depth and sensitivity. Yeah. He also was in Dirty Dancing. Yeah. He, it, we're not talking Stallone. R- exactly. Know? Oh, God. Like, uh, yes. Still like, I can see if we're watching a Stallone movie, it's like, mm, what are you thinking? Like, no, you're going to make Demolition Man with Stallone. Instead, you know, right. But and, like, and the occasional Rocky and First Blood where you're like, oh, okay, you can well, actually he's got act. depth, but right, being yeah, able yes, to yes. act course, is not course, the same thing as like, I he's allow different. myself vulnerability. Allow right. my, you know, but like, I see that in Swayze. And again, maybe it's because I also, by the time I watched Roadhouse, had already known he made Ghost. Maybe that is right. part of what's informed. You already knew him from Ghost and Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. And like, for you'd sure, seen for him sure. But it's too. like, I can watch Roadhouse and be like, yeah. I yeah. can imagine that guy having some, or at least like, let's get him in here and have him read. Totally, totally. I gotcha. I got what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I can imagine. You'd it. think you'd think just from Dirty Dancing, you'd be like, yeah, this that's person what could. That's be... what I'm saying. Yes, this person has some I sensitivity. See. This person I isn't see. like so consumed with presenting a macho image to the world that he'll be unable to convey this. Well, Jerry Zaka clearly didn't see Dirty Dancing, and he went instead and saw Roadhouse. Jerry, but it all worked out for the best. You know what? It sure did. <laughs> because here is who. Was considered and or auditioned. Oh my gosh, lay it on me. Right off the bat, Kevin Bacon. Uh, I mean, that's basically the same thing as Patrick Swayze, but the other version. In what regard? Dancing movies in the 80s. <laughs> oh, I see. Footloose, of course, of course, of course. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he'd be fun. He's uh, just but, a little snarkier. Yeah. 1990, he had Flatliners, but then also 
Tremors, which he has said was like the nadir of his career at the time because he, because his wife, Kira Sedgwick, was pregnant at the time. And he's like, he fell to the ground and he was like, I'm doing a movie about an effing worm. Um, so we watched that not too, too terribly we long sure ago, did. gentle And listeners. it's super fun and went on to be a cult. Like, it's, it's so much so, better it, than I thought it was going to be. It made a lot of money on vid- in video sales, but at the time it was a huge flop at the box office. And he was like, a ma- a God, it's rough. That's rough imagining like, I didn't get ghost and it became the highest grossing movie of the year oh. i'm doing a movie in the desert with well, a worm they had to film for weeks in the desert with a reba mcintyre with a Big whole boatload worm. of guns she's so good um alec baldwin was considered uh, which he had the hunt for Red October in 1998. I see why. So that's I a big. Totally see why they would have considered him because he's much more like your general like um, romance and like legal drama guy. Super handsome, especially 1990. Alec Baldwin, oh, yeah. smoke show, I, and also like I, I, you know, he went on to play Stanley Kowalski on Broadway oh, in 95. So he's I a physical performer that I think is someone that could do a really good job when you strip the that ability away. Like I, a I could see specimen. that. A specimen of men. Um, <laughs> Going back to Nicole Kim and being up for it, Tom Cruise well, was I'm considered and did of Days course. of Thunder instead. And would, of course, go on to work with Demi Moore two years later in A Few Good Men. Um, oh, right. Which I, you know, I'm not mad about it. I can see it. I, I can see it. 1990 version of Tom Cruise. Like, I, I kind of like. He was someone I thought about and was like, I'm not putting him on this dang I know. list. I've An- got another, better choices. Another very physical performer where you're stripping him of that, which I think actually is a strength. In some ways, he might have been better, and in some ways, I think Swayze was better. I think if you yeah. combine the two of them, it would have been a really even better performance, maybe. But I, I, I'm, yeah. you know, ultimately great. Tom Cruise is yeah. still making yeah. movies. Uh, Harrison Ford was considered, read the script twice, and didn't get it. Well, then, Godspeed. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... I have a harder time seeing I can Harrison hear him doing the quip part Ford. and not him doing the like, oh, my lord. I'm Henry VIII. I am. I am. <laughs> hey, Vincent Chiavelli, <laughs> how do I pick up this penny? Hey, Tell you. Me. Hey, punk, get over hey, here and I'm show me how to leaving. kick this can. That's me, a young up and comer Wall Street bro. <laughs> Getting killed I over some totally, codes. I do totally buy that Swayze is more of a Wall Street bro than Harrison Ford. Yes. Harrison Ford's much more like, I was out in my tent. <laughs> wow. You won't believe what happened, you know? That's exactly. an analogy we all understand. You know, you, hey, hey, you know, you're either a Wall Street bro or you're out in you're your tent. You're out in your tent. No in between, which is why I don't know where I am. Hey, you a tent bro or are you a Wall Street bro? Hey, where are my tent bros at? I'm just living that tent life, y'all. Hashtag tent life. Harrison Ford, living that tent life. Oh, boy. <laughs> Mel Gibson was up for the role. Of course he was. Which I get it. Uh, he instead was, uh, he was emoting in a, with ghosts in a very different way in 1990's Hamlet. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh. And I think we've talked enough about Mel Gibson. Moving on. Forever, exactly. <laughs> um, I like this option. Very different. Not as sexy of a star. Tom Hanks was considered. Oh, but the acting. Oh, I I love it. I love it. I love it. It's a very, yeah. He never, Tom Hanks was never like a sexy star in that way. At least that I never saw. But I believe him as a romantic person because he's someone you're like, yeah, I can see myself marrying this person. But also when you need someone, you need, what I, what you most need someone with this character is the observer. 
That's why he said that it was yeah. like because he's such an observer. You need someone who like is fascinating mm. to watch and be. You just want to watch them watch. You want to watch them. You want to listen to them listen, and you want to watch them watch. You want to listen to them. Listen, you want to watch them <laughs> watch. Listen and listen and watch them watch. Live in my tent life. Uh, <laughs> um, and Tom Hanks, of course, instead was in Joe versus the volcano and Bonfire of the Vanities, two massive flops. So this would have been. Really good for him. Um, I know. he's In a few years, he's going to do Philadelphia and then Forrest Gump. Tom Hanks is fine. He's America's dad. But um, that would have been a better. uh, daddy. He had had like, oh boy. (laughs) Tom Hanks, what a tent daddy. Oh no. (laughs) I'm sorry, gentle listener. I took it there without meaning. Hashtag Tom Hanks tent daddy. Ah. Um, (laughs) But he, he had a few years with like a few like. It's like punchline and the burbs and like stuff like the money pit. Like it's stuff nice where he wasn't to like, know we all have to struggle before well, we of succeed. Course, of course. Well, you know, you know, it's just it's interesting for me to look at when you're like you had big and then he had like bonfire of handies and Joe versus the volcano and then he came back up from it. But um, I'll say all these actors, of course, I'm sure in retrospect were like we turned down the ghost movie and it became ghost uh but i love tom hanks i don't really love this option paul hogan turned it down crocodile dundee oh i was Um, like who's paul hogan he passed because he felt it wasn't funny he then offered patrick swayze a supporting role in his 1990 supernatural comedy almost an angel that he directed and starred in but swayze turned it down to do ghost uh good move on you swayze solid yeah i never heard of this movie almost an angel stars paul hogan and is about a small-time crook who becomes convinced he's an angel after a traumatic incident and resolves to perform the work of one um yeah ghost as we said was the highest grossing movie of 1990 almost an angel made 6.9 million dollars more money than i made last year so respect well to be fair the budget was 25 million dollars so at least you didn't lose multiple million dollars never (laughs) mind um this next choice i don't know how i feel about it kevin klein was up for it um in the version of in our version of this comedy, I'm gonna cast Kevin Klein over Steve Martin. But Kevin Klein to me, I think can be a fantastic dramatic actor. Well he but, is. Yes. But my caveat was gonna be that when a role can somewhat ride the line that if you're if you're a bit too heightened or hammy, if you will, then you can veer into comedy when yeah. you don't want to. And he's yeah. a person that I think would be great in the comedic scenes. All the scenes with Odame. Kevin Klein and Whoopi Goldberg Killing here it. for it. You know, I would rather see him in the Tony Goldwyn role. Oh yeah, young young Kevin Klein in because role. he's got an edge sure. to him. Yeah, when, and and that's the thing too that what I think you're talking about is partially his like he has got a certain largesse energy as yes. a performer. Yeah, and I think when you don't have writing that can channel that, uh, look, let me say this outright: <laughs> Kevin Klein is one of our greatest actors. Yeah, I think you know having seen him a number of times on stage and mm-hmm. on screen, oh. he he is someone who I I truly think is one of our our, our finest actors. Um, but I th- I think he would do better with a very clear point of view mm. that l- that the Tony Golden role that Carl has to do, which is like, okay, this is my thing I have to accomplish, yeah. and I'm gonna use every tool in my arsenal to accomplish that. Whereas like Sam is so like, what's happening to me? And I don't think that's where Klein is as successful as when he is like very actively doing things to other people. But once again, the observer when you're putting someone in the observer role and you got someone that's like more like a shark. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean that in, I mean, shock as like the most 
highly complimentary thing. Like uh, he's always on the attack. He is not someone. Who I'm going to assume like, since you said he's one of y- y- the best actors working that no one's like, wow, I thought she liked Kevin Klein, but then she called him a I shark. I just wanted to be clear. <laughs> um, I can see this person, Dennis Quaid. Was up for it. Oh, sure. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's I feel got, like he's equal with Swayze. He's a similar ish to Swayze. Yeah. There's a certain, it's not the same at all, but because the, of that movie that he's in with Jim Caviezel Frequency, where he's acting with someone that he can't actually, he's not in the room with, that he's acting with someone over like a ham radio for. Is that where he's the dead dad? Dead dad. Okay. Yes. Dead <laughs> dad, why are you following me? Look it up. Um, um those are the wrong lyrics. Anyway, um, I feel like I, he's a little broier than Swayze, so Swayze's a better fit. Sure, sure. Mickey Rourke was considered, <laughs> but 1990 version Mickey Rourke, I think, is an incredible choice. How? Um, when was Diner? Oh, sometime in the 80s. Well, yes. When in the 80s? I, early on. That was early on in his career. Okay. This, like, late 80s were, like, nine and a half weeks with Kim Basinger uh. and Angel Heart. So he's, like, a grown man. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Kevin Bacon is in Diner as well with him and Daniel oh, Stern. and I've like, forgotten everything. I think the Goots. Old the Steve Goots. Gutenberg. Um, yeah, so he, no, Mickey Rourke, 19, look up to 1990 Mickey Rourke. You're going to see one of the most handsome people he you've ever seen. He is also really good at acting. He's so good at acting. Uh, and so, someone that, like, at that time. I mean, Mickey Rourke today is like, pay me. <laughs> when can I leave? Truly. Um, but at the time is like someone that is fascinating. Like I said, to, to watch an, an actor who's fascinating to watch them watch things. Mm. Um, so I think he would actually be really good. And another actor who's like so physical, it has a, that masculinity. Oh, totally. um, and when you strip them of the ability to use what that. What does that yield, um, What does it yield? Baby? And I think, and then you've got to call on like the sensitivity, which at that time, that early Rourke, he could use that, like some beautiful sensitivity yeah. in, in his performances that he could uh, calibrate. Um, <laughs> opposed to John Travolta, who was up for the role, who he was busy filming the sequel to Look Who's Talking. Look Who's Talking to. Good bless. Uh, <laughs> That's what I have to say. Look, yeah. I like Travolta, I but in this instance, good bless. No, absolutely not. Oh, so <laughs> hammy. Such a ha- guy. That's an actor. Like, so much worse. And when I say, and Kevin Klein is great, but like worse than Kevin Klein in the sense of like, he is someone with such too much energy. I think Travolta has um, a lot to offer, but, and I say this with all respect for all the skill that Travolta truly does have. Sure. He's not nearly as good an actor as Kevin Klein. No. Not nearly no, as I agree. nuanced oh, I agree. and deep. And, oh, I absolutely uh, like agree. Kevin Klein puts clearly so much thought into everything. I 100% I, agree. I, 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 I only mean in the sense of when you think of an actor, are you like, oh, are they yes. are they a scenery chewer? Oh, yeah. Which yeah. both of them would fall under that category. A That's strictly what percent. I mean. Um, whereas Kevin Klein can calibrate that. And John Travolta, Travolta I don't is, think I think Travolta can. needs a really strong hand. I think Travolta needs a really strong agent because he just makes so many bad movies. But a director <laughs> helps. Um, Kevin Costner was up for it. Fine. Hey. Uh, to me, it's similar to Kevin Bacon. Yeah, I guess. Kevin Bacon is a more squirrely actor to me. Kevin Bacon is someone yes. that will Kevin pop Bacon's up a in a weirder. supporting role. And you're like, ooh, what an interesting, like, weird. You can play, like, like Kevin Bacon as a villain is interesting to me. Kevin yeah. Costner as a villain is not interesting to me. And no. I know this, we're not talking about Sam like Bruce Sam Willis now. are very similar to me in that kind of, like. I, I'd agree with that. I'm going to yeah. play this swath of things. I'm going to execute yeah. my job well. But this is kind of what I do. I mean, Kevin Costner is just like if Bruce Willis didn't make action movies. Kevin Bruce Willis is doing the action movies. Mm. Kevin Costner is doing westerns. 
And baseball films. And baseball. He loves a base. Fields of Dreams for Love of the Game. For Love of the Game, which Bull, is saw in theaters Bull, and on a bus. Bull Durham. Now that we're talking about it, what? Kevin Costner. He, that's too, three, You can't make three baseball films in your career. That's too many baseball Maybe films. Maybe he's good at baseball. I don't care if he's good at baseball. <laughs> too many baseball films. Look, if I'm good at baseball, <laughs> I'm going to milk it. <laughs> I'm not, so I won't. But if I were, I would. <laughs> Next up. Nicholas Cage oh, of up for ghost of course I get it oh, 1990 yeah. I get it also if you look at Moonstruck era Nicholas Cage mm-hmm. he's very attractive no. it's not till later that you're like Carl's he... got his hand Carl's got his corporeal form ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, um it's there you go you, you, you could have just like... had Nick Cage as Sam Cher as Molly and Daniello as Carl <laughs> Vincent Gardinia as Carl. Olympia Dukakis as Carl. Vincent Scarvelli. Vincent Chevelli. Chevelli. I don't know. I, I recognize him. That's what I know. Yes, yeah, Subway That's Ghost. That's a face you Vincent don't I, I, he, was, he was an amazing, amazing character actor. I oh. forgot, like, there, there's trivia that, like, I mean, he because he died of, like, lung cancer at, at like, 56. Or, or, like, the same age as Swayze. Like, they both died wow. of the same thing at the same age, which was really bizarre. weird. Very bizarre. Very bizarre. Um, but, yeah, clearly... Swayze is better than Nick Cage would have been in this movie. Oh, yeah. Talk about a, a hammy actor no, that's chewing that scenery. And yeah. Uh, Johnny Depp was up for it. Of course he was. Young, young Depp. Young, 1990. Young Depp was dreamy. 19, yeah, yeah. True, but 1990 is Crybaby and Edward Scissorhands, where he's like. A baby. The, a, a little baby. Well, then he and Tony Goldwyn would have been more the same age. I think Swayze was like eight or nine years older than Tony Goldwyn. I'm, I, you know, this is still. Yeah, this is the year of Crybaby and Edward Scissorhands. He didn't have like. Too big of movies. Those, those are the kind of the movies that kind of launched him. So he'd have been great as Carl. That's true. Were you by that? Because yes. he's got that baby face, but you're like, but he's also like, no, you can see that. There's like, a nefarious streak, which we as know. we know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, Bruce Willis. Man, what did I, I say? Where they were like, we've got your wife. Demi Moore doing the uh-huh. film like to ha- you could be having these this at the time real life married couple co starring. Um, because at the time, in 1990, he had Die Hard 2, and he was also in The Bonfire of the Vanities with Tom Hanks. And, and he turned it down because he didn't think a movie could work where the protagonist was a ghost the whole time. And oh, he I, oh, learned his he lesson from ghosts. He took a ghost. page out of his own book, and he was like, you know what? I was wrong before. I'm not going to be wrong again. And I think he made the right choice the second time. Second time around. Second time, do, sixth do, sense do. is clearly a, what we're talking about. He's step-by-step choice. So uh, those were all the characters that I found other casting options for. So let's play a quick round of the newly dubbed game, Passing Chemistry. So not Willie or Carl, because there's only one other actor up for both of them. But for Sam, Molly, and Odame, I want you to pick your top three of the actors considered. Not which actors you think are best individually, but which trio do you think would have the mm. best chemistry mm. together? Because mm. you've got real-life couples at the time, like Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, and Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan were all together in 1990. And- and Bruce Willis. And of course Bruce Willis. But you can't use Demi Moore because she was she actually, actually in the movie. The that's the that's I that's see. the trick with passing chemistry. Now I personally, um, I'd reunite 
Mickey Rourke and Kim Basinger from Nine and a Half Weeks, because not a good film, but they got good chemistry together. And, but Mickey Rourke, as we know, big personality. So in case he's trying to throw his weight around on set, I think Tina Turner is the one to keep him in line and to like, and she would be like, I don't care who you are. I'm Tina Turner. I'm going to knock you down a peg. Proud Mary. Keeps on Exactly. Uh, Amy Joe, who do you got? Okay. I know we've had much discussion, <laughs> but I think I'm going to go with a couple tall people because I've got my allegiances and also they're both good at acting. I'm going to go with a match of Kevin Klein and Gina Davis. Sure. Because also like, I don't know. I feel like they'd be really sexy together. That'd be I, great. I see it. I agree. And Oprah. Love it. Because Oprah is great. Because she's Oprah. Because she's Oprah. <laughs> So that's what I'm going to say for passing chemistry. Love it. Love it. You know what? I think they passed. <laughs> they passed the test. It was a pass-fail class, <laughs> and they passed. A listeners. class I never <sighs> took. All right. So, Amy Joe, final thoughts on why, Ghost. Why don't I read you some of the other things I didn't get a chance to oh, say that were great. Because I will say I also take general notes for mm-hmm. these, and I took more general notes for this than any, than any other film so far. Great. Hit us with it. All right. That 90s graveside ghost, I wore those exact patterns to Easter Sunday for several oh, years. Oh, that one woman who like is- She's got that collar right, that right, looks right. almost at like Sam's, a lobster bib. At Sam's funeral, he like looks over and there's like a woman like waving at him like, hey, fellow ghost. And then she walks she walks towards like a giant tombstone. I thought she was going to crawl down inside it. Like that was her grave. I think but then it was she walked, her grave. But, it, she, but then she walked behind it and True. kept going. So I, But my understanding was like, this is my grave. I'm real cozy here. Whee! She's like, hey, Patrick Swayze, it's you want to come come hang out in my tomb sometime? It's that big white collar that us in the 80s were like, you know what was fun? Little House on the Prairie. Let's live that fantasy, but in an 80s capacity. So I was looking at this outfit like, hey, I just wore a slightly uh-huh. different patterned floral dress, but the same pattern dress. Um, okay. There's another shot where Patrick Swayze is running down to the subway to try and find subway ghost, mm-hmm. character actor, character actor. And um, and I have written, NYC escalator not working is classic. <laughs> it wasn't working in 1990 and it never worked again. Uh, well, if it is a Franklin stop, there's no escalators well, there. there. It's a very different subway stop. Uh. But I was like, oh, that makes me feel nostalgic for months ago. Not 1990, literal months ago. Mm. Okay. And then... Okay, you've got the angels, like, or the little, like, firefly spots of light and love, and mm-hmm. then you've got the Dementors, right. and I've written, got a real binary system of heaven and hell here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very simplistic, like, oh, heaven is all white, and these white little beings, and uh-oh, here And also, you get the... to choose, clearly, whether you're, like, going to stay or go, whereas if you're going to hell, goodbye, buddy-o, you got, yeah. you got no choice. You're a joik. You're a real joke. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if it was a choice? They, they instead it was just like this black looming void, and Willie and Carl both like looked at it, and then like nah. looked, looked at their bodies, and were like, "Hmm, <laughs> all right, down to hell I go." Down the hatch, baby. <laughs> down the hatch. Um, and the other thing I wrote was like not understanding how Carl, where did Carl get a gun, and how is he such a good shot? Like. I don't. Know I disagree about him pros. being a good shot. It took him three shots to hit that lock on the door that he was three feet away from. But then he was like, pew, 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 pew. I don't know. He seemed like a decent shot, a better shot than he should have been. I think he just took the gun from Willie because they were there together. Oh, okay, 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 okay. And Willie I died. It. I it, it. it would have been nice if they showed it. Just to be clear that where he's just like, so I get I know it. he's not like, I gotta do it myself. Me, comma, Wall Street, bro, carrying a gun in my pants. 
Yeah. I don't know. I'd buy it. Okay. I well, sure. It was the nineties. New York was a Now if he was place. living that tent life and, and suddenly firing a gun, I'd wanna ah, know where he got that from. I'm living that Bushwick tent I mean, life. Actually it's the opposite. If you're living that tent life, you're like, okay, you're hunting for food, you're foraging, but like pff, Carl ain't living no tent life. No, we Tony don't Goldwyn. know where Carl lives, but I believe it is not Bushwick. Um, probably not. Probably not. Not 1990s right, Bushwick. Right. Uh, and for me, um, mainly, yeah, for my final thoughts on the film. Uh, oh, right. I, <laughs> I should have said it's better than I remember. <laughs> yeah. and I It's never, good. And I've never seen it. And I, I thought it, I thought it uh, held up. I mean, aside from some dodgy special effects and a, some, you know, both Sam and Molly could have stood to be a little more defined as characters. Th- this movie won Best Screenplay at the Oscars as well. Wow. I mean, for winning for Whoopi, I get. For Best Screenplay... I, I think it's because it's just a huge swing because movies hadn't done something this like genre bending of this sort of like this fantasy hmm. romance and thriller. There's so much going on, um, which is, I think is why it like it hit, hit so big because uh, like it hit a lot of cross sections. I remember one of those like g- like Zagat, like the top movies of all time. And for that, it was like there's romance for the goyles and action for the boys. And I'm like, that's stupid, but also not completely wrong when you think of this as like. I can see, like, my parents going on a date to see this. Not that I know if they did, but I could see them being like, oh, we'll go see Ghost. This is the movie You were a kid. They probably weren't saying. going anywhere. <laughs> they were staying at home going, why? Why can't we go see Ghost at the movies? No, they were seeing some movies at that time. I remember because they talked about seeing 1992's Fearless with Jeff Bridges and how much they hated it. They talked about... I remember they were talking about, like, how... Because the movie where, like, he survives a plane crash and then he's, like, now he's fearless because he's survived, like, had such a close, like, life... I can do a death, Like, a... a Almost near death a experience. near death experience. Thank you. I was like an almost death encounter. That's the <laughs> phrase, right? <laughs> an almost death encounter. I almost had an almost death encounter. Uh, no, but they just talked about how what a waste of time that movie was. <laughs> <laughs> so at least by '92 they shelled out for a babysitter. But uh, <laughs> I will have to ask if my parents saw Ghost, 1990s Ghost. Um, but yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a fun film and a Whoopi. In, a, it was course, very diverting and engaging the whole time. And yeah, yeah. Whoopi was. Whoopi. I laughed aloud so multiple times fantastic. at Whoopi. A fantastic performance. So good. Um, so I want to end with this. Which of the actors up for Sam, and you know what, include Patrick Swayze, uh, would you pick to be haunted by? <laughs> and which of the Mollies, including Demi Moore, or all the actors up for it, would you help reunite them with? So mm. uh, I do not actually want this person to be dead and a ghost, uh, but I, of those actors, I would want to be haunted by Tom Hanks because I think he would be the most respectful ghost. He seems very <laughs> polite. I, I think he'd let me sleep. He would not be singing uh, Henry VIII, I am, I am, or whatever the heck that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'd help him reconnect with Gina Davis because she seems the most level-headed and the most reasonable to someone saying that a ghost husband is trying to get in touch with her. Uh, so if I give you a few like facts of like, hey, Here's all, you know, whatever. That's You're wearing the shirt. You spilled the margarita on Ghost Tom Hanks is telling you. I think Gina Davis would be like, wow, I guess you're right. Let's go on from here. Opposed to, uh, which you kind of need. Otherwise, the movie would be 40 minutes long. But uh, Demi Moore being like, I don't understand. I don't know who to believe anymore. Yeah, so I have some thoughts. <laughs> if I'm being haunted by Nick Cage, I want to end that immediately. <laughs> so I think I'd be very deeply motivated. You'll be very motivated to reunite Nick Cage. Yes, with with anyone. Truly anyone other than me. 
truly. Um, if I'm going to be motivated from like a deeper instinct, I am also going to go with Tom Hanks or Kevin sure. Klein. Sure, but if it's sure. purely just like, oh my gosh, get this guy out of my life. Get this ghost <laughs> away from me. Nick Cage, 3,000%. Love it. Love it. Love it. To whom, <laughs> you may what? ask? To whom? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, well, I'll phrase it this way. Which of these actors would you want the excuse to go bother and hang out with? Gina now, Davis. There you go. Great. Great. Love it. Love it. Do I ring, ring, You're ringing on, ring ring a ding, 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 ding in that ding. doorbell. I'm like, hey, Gina, I, we got to hang out. And now- uh, Also, sorry to burden you with Nicolas Cage, but here he is. And now Nicolas Cage is going to possess me, so me and you can slow oh, well, together. Well, I will say- I uh, have an expressive instrument, so I think I could handle channeling Nicolas Cage. And also, and not everyone could. A chance for both of us to slow dance with Gina Davis, which, hey, come on now. Come on. Take that opportunity. Oh, my, my love. My darling. <laughs> you get it? I think we all get it. <laughs> Amy Joe, what are you recommending today? Well, Jeff, there is a podcast on Earwolf that started last year, sometime 2019, mm -hmm. called Scam Goddess. Yes. The hostess is Lacey Mosley. And it is so funny. And I remember like hearing about it when it came out, but I only started listening to it recently. And it is screamingly funny. <laughs> she is so charming and hilarious. She has fantastic guests, fantastic content. Like, and, and she bills it as like, if you want the true crime without mm. all the murder, uh, which is great, honestly. Because yeah. sometimes you're like, I really don't know if I can handle that, but I do want some crime. I just want scammers <laughs> pulling scams. And she is a freaking delight. So if you want a lift, mm. um, listen to Scam Goddess. Love it. Jeff. Amy Joe. What are you recommending? I'm so glad you asked. I'm recommending the 2018 film Transit. It's a German film from director Christian Petzold, who also did this movie Phoenix, which is also amazing, which kind of had... I just remember hearing about Phoenix. Like, it had some more articles written about it, uh, whereas Transit... Did not. Um, but it's about this, a man who assumes the identity of a dead writer in order to use his documents to escape occupied France. Mm. And he winds up meeting and falling in love with the dead writer's wife, who's been waiting in Marseille for her husband to join her. So it feels, it's, it's based on a book from like the 19, from, I forget when, like the 1930s or 40s, but they, they said it today so it feels like because i was like wait what is this like occupation what is this like war that's happening and it's like technically imagine it now yeah it is but it, it feels very mm. prescient in many ways even though it's like based on this book from like that's supposed to be closer to like world war ii times i believe um and it feels like kind of a forgotten hitchcock script as does phoenix that if, mm. if someone stripped down and did a new rewrite on an old hitchcock script and took it down to its bare elements uh, is how it feels. So it's a very spare and and like really, really cool. It's just not a lot of, it's one of those films where you're like, they don't make movies like this anymore. It's like kind of applies to this film. Uh, and it's currently on, on Prime. So uh, streaming free. So check it out because it's uh, kind of, I, I didn't know anything about it. I kind of just stumbled upon it. Uh, apparently it was uh, one of Obama's favorite films of that year. Well, there you go. The man has taste. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we're recommending this week. Da da da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at endalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. 
Find us on Instagram at and almost starring. And if you're enjoying the show, feel free to stop by iTunes and uh, give us, drop us a little review and uh, rating. Maybe five stars. Maybe five whole stars, <laughs> my love. <laughs> I'd love it if you rated us five stars. <laughs> uh, until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jill Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.